Today's daf is daf Chavtes. We're holding at the Mishnah at the bottom of Chavches Amud Beis. Zog day the Mishnah. Rishus Agavoya Bekesef is that when it comes to the domain of of Hegdish, there all cash is king. The transactions occur with money. When it's Rishus Hedyod, when it comes to uh, non Hegdish transactions. So then it's Chazaka. And Rashi says Chazaka over here doesn't mean Chazaka in the, the, the classical sense we're dealing right, right now by Karka, but it means a physical act. Mashicha, meaning Kesev doesn't work. You need to do with Metaltalin, you have to do a physical act. Mashicha, Masira, Hagba, whereas by Hegdish, there you don't have to do those acts. There the act of Kesev is enough to complete the transaction. And the last thing the Mishnah says, is that we also have something special about Hegdish, is that a verbal declaration when it comes to, we'll see, Korbanus, uh, is that it is sufficient to make the declaration to complete the transaction. You don't need the Masira, the handing over of the item, to complete the transaction. So that's the Mishnah. So then Rabban, we learned in a Brisa. What's the explanation? What is the I mean, it says that the domain of Gavoa means the the uh, uh, for the for the, the Gavoa is the Hegdish. For the Hegdish, it's with Kesef. So Gizbar Shenos and Maz So if the treasurer who represents Gavoa represents the Beis Hamikdash gave money for an animal, Afilu Behema Besefa Ulam. Even if this animal that he is purchasing is at the end of the world, the other end of the world. Kanda, as, as soon as he gives the money to the uh, seller, the seller takes the money, the animal already belongs to the Beis HaMikdash. However, just as we learned, why that is, but Kesev doesn't work in non-Hegdish transactions, and therefore, even if the money was given, the Kenyan will not go through unless... Animal, you you have to pull the animal toward you. You have to take the animal into, you have to show bias ownership over that animal. You have to take it into your domain or whatever it is. But it can't be just the money alone. Now, what's the, what's an explanation of that last line? It says that the Amira of Hegdish is like Masira of a non-Hegdish transaction. So Omer shows the Ola, buys the Hegdish. Someone says, this ox is going to be a carbon ola. It's interesting, Raju says over here, carbon sibur. I'm not sure exactly, maybe somebody will let you find an explanation why it focuses on a communal carbon. Why wouldn't this be the same thing in a, uh, with, a with a private But He says, Omer Shorze Ola, Hegdesh, or this house, I'm declaring as a, a consecrated house. I feel it was so for Olam, Kana. So the Esa Migdash acquired they acquire that animal even if that animal is, uh, or that house is at the end of the, uh, of the world. But the declaration itself has the capacity to consecrate that, uh, that, that entity, the house, the, the animal. The head yoke, however, when you're talking about a, uh, a regular person, not for the sake of the Beis HaMikdash, a non-Hegdish transaction, lo kana achi yimshot b'yavzik. So there, either in the case of the ox, he has to do Mashiach, or in the case of the house, which is Karka, you have to do Chazaka. But just declaring that I want this to belong to you, that doesn't, doesn't do anything until there is some type of act 
that is associated with the declaration as well. All right, now, the Gemara now is going to point out that there is an interesting anomaly over here because we said that non-Hegdish transactions, Mashiach is what works. Hegdish transactions, Kesef works. We're going to see it's not always the case and we're going to, Hegdish always comes out on top. That's the bottom line, right? That's what you have to realize. Yeah, Hegdish is on top. So in Mashchal Ben let's say at the time, we're talking about a person over here, let, let's say he is redeeming something from the base of Mikdash. What's that? I just didn't see it, okay. Right, let's say a person is redeeming something from the base of Mikdash. So basically the base of Mikdash is a consecrated item and you now are paying money to the base of Mikdash to deconsecrate the item. All right. So, uh, so let, let's say over here that uh, uh, there's an item that belongs to the base on Mikdash that's consecrated, and you want to give money to deconsecrate the item, right? So that now the item belongs to you. You're buying something basically from the base on Mikdash, right? You're gonna go. So now, so at the at the moment you gave the money, at the time you gave the money, all right, the mono, it was the item was worth a hundred zuz. All right. So when you gave the money, the item was worth a hundred zuz. However, you didn't actually take possession. You weren't able to actually take possession of the item until what happened? Until it went up. I'm sorry. I, I said it the other way around. You when you took physical possession of it, it was worth a hundred. So you did the mashicha. It was worth a hundred. But you didn't actually give the money, which deconsecrates it, until it went up to 200. All right. So on one hand, it would be a regular non-Hegdish transaction. When do you become the owner? As soon as you did Mashiach, at a point it was worth 100. But uh, in my talus bag. But the the the, the but from 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 a from a Hegdish standpoint, the deconsecration is is requires the money, and the money wasn't given yet, and at that point now, it's worth 200. Now obviously from the, uh, from the Balabais' standpoint, he says, hey, when I did Mashiach, that's when it should be transaction is done, and therefore, I should only have to give 100. From Hector's standpoint, you haven't given the money yet, and therefore, now it's worth 200, you gotta pay 200. So how much does this guy have to pay? So therefore, his big lift dice didn't actually uh, complete the, 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 the redemption, when it already went up to 200, he now has to pay 200. My time, what's the reason? Because the Pazak says specifically, when you redeem something from Hegdish, what establishes it as yours? You have to give the money. The fact that you did Mashiach, and the fact that Mashiach works by the regular transaction, doesn't, have a, doesn't pl- come into play over here. Because it's you have to pay the 200 Zuz, in order to complete the deal, you didn't pay. You didn't pay the money. It's now two hundred. You have to pay the two hundred. Now let's flip it around. Here at the point of the of when you took uh, possession of the item, it was worth two hundred. When you come to give the money, it had gone down to one hundred. All right. So now what you would say? One second. We just got through saying is that cash is king when it comes to Mesmas and therefore this guy should really only have to pay 100, right? So over here, no. No, Zen Masayim. He has to give 200. Now the question is, why? 
What's that? My time, or what's the reason? What is an interesting svara? What is Because we cannot have that a a non-sanctified transaction should be stronger than hegdish. Meaning, if Mashiacha works to the benefit of the uh, of the uh, 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 in a, of the person in a private situation, it should not be any less for Hegdish. There's interesting Svara. So even though you're right, normally the actual Kedusha only transfers when the money is given, and therefore we said in a case where it goes up, it's to the benefit of Hegdish, but when it goes down, there we say that Hegdish also gets the same benefits as a regular transaction we would have, because we can't have a Hegdish being the, the transaction of Hegdish looking weaker than what a regular transaction would have. All right? Okay. Let's keep going now. I'm going to see. This is also going to be an anomaly. Padav and Masayim. Here is the case where money was first given. So you first gave the treasurer, you gave him 200 zuz, okay? Because the item at that time was evaluated as 200. 200. But lo is big but you didn't do the Meshicha. And what happens is, at the time of the Meshicha, it went down to 100. Now, in a regular transaction, you could demand that I should only have to pay 100 because the king didn't go through until the Meshicha. But over here, no Samasan, here there's the, the 200 stands, and you still have to give the 200. Why? Because my time, because because what completes the transaction is the giving of the money, and you gave the money already at 200. The fact it went down to 100 before Meshachar makes no difference. The sale was ended at 200, and the bottom line is you're ding for 200, no problem. What, what is the difference between this case? This case. Don't take a look. Just take a look. However, let's go the other way around. Let's say that what happened was is that the item itself was only worth 100 at the time you gave the money, right? And now before you did the Meshicha, it went up to be 200. Now, based on what we learned earlier, what would you say the person should have to give? So just now it's nothing, whatever you gave, 100. Because the, the transaction of the money is the end. But we had in the first Lashen, we said, we said that we don't want that the base amygdala should look weaker. And, and, since, and, and in a regular case, Meshicha is what completes, and he hasn't done the Meshicha yet, so you should say that the Gizbar should still be able to demand the 200 in this case. Right? So therefore, but that's not the ruling over here. The ruling is, Masha Pada Padui. That what was redeemed is redeemed at the one hundred, at the uh, one hundred, and the gizbar can't turn around and say, "Oh, you didn't do mashicha yet. You have to pay two hundred." Correct the more amai. The more ask why? Why should that be? Using the svara from the first cases, you should say, "Achanami here too, neima lo yehe koyach hedyot chamer mehegdish." That a koach of hedyot should not be stronger than hegdish. And and if and by a regular case, if you haven't done the mashicha yet and all you gave the money, it's not a closed, the sale hasn't closed. So technically, technically, you should be able to say, pay me the 200, right? So why over here can he not do the same thing? So when it says like this, because it's true. It's true, this is a very interesting point. Is it's true that if you give money to somebody, 
Somebody gave money, right? And now you want to back out. Technically, you could back out because the Mashiach did not take. However, we're going to learn in Bamatsia is there something called the Mishapara. Mishapara is that the one who punished the Dor HaMabul, the one who punished the Dor HaFloga, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who punished those people that did not show good faith, should, as a curse, shall punish this person because once you've given the money, even if technically the deal is not completed, it's, it's a show of faith that what? That we're going through with this. To back out is considered to be, so it means the point is like this. So even though you could argue that it, this looks like that, that head dish is weaker than a, a, a head yard, but even a head yard technically, although he could back out, he's not really going to back out. Why would he not back out? Because if he backs out, he subjects himself to this curse. And therefore, so the point we're saying is, one second, in a regular case, he, the sale hasn't gone through, he only gave the money. And therefore, he should be able to get the higher amount before the Mashiach and not the lower amount. No, because even in a regular case, 99.9 of the cases would not be reversed because no one wants to subject themselves to a Mishapara. So giving the money is already considered, even in a regular case, like the deal has already been completed. So what is after Hedyod, do we not say that by a regular case, that the person would not subject himself to a curse, the Mishapara is the one who punished the, the, the Doramabul, so therefore it's considered already done once the money is given. So by Hegdish we consider it the same thing. And therefore, even though at the time when he gave the money it was only 100, and before the Mashiach went up to 200, you can't say, no, give me the 200, the deal is considered completed at the 100, just as by a regular case we would consider it that it's done and you cannot back out because otherwise the person will subject himself to the curse. Okay, let's start. Also, the fact of Mishikha, the whole reason of Mishikha is for the buyer's benefit. So how are you trying to cause damage to the buyer if the whole point of Mishikha is not to replace Kesef? Yeah, but, I, but, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. I mean, if it's not over with the Kesef, then it goes from both sides. It should not be over technically. All right. Anyway, let's go on. So the says like this. The Mora now goes to, we're starting to talk about the mitzvahs that a father is obligated to for his son. So the Ritva discusses, what's that doing over here? Right? Why is that in, in, in Masechus Kedushin? So he wants to suggest that one of the things that the father has to do for his son is find him a wife. And since he has to find him a wife, therefore it is appropriate that this Mishnah appears in Masechus Kedushin. Zog Dei Mishnah. Kol Mitzvah Ben Allah is a little cryptic. The mitzvahs of the son are on the father. So those mitzvahs of the son that are on the father, Anoshim Chayav Menoshim Meturas, Men Achayev, Women Apotur, will clarify the statement in the Gemara. The Kol Mitzvah Av Al Aben, but the mitzvahs of the father that are on the son, Echad Anoshim Echad Anoshim Chayavim, then both men and women are equally obligated. Kol Mitzvah Seishas Man Grama, famous concept that any time uh, generated mitzvah, that it's the time that generates the mitzvah. So anoshim chayavim and noshim baturas. Men are chayav, women are potter. There's an avudram, famous avudram, he says that HaKadosh Baruch Hu understood that women are very much tied to having to take care of a certain regiment. They have to call a certain regiment. They have to get up in the morning, take care of the kids, give, make the, put on the food on the table. There's a certain, and therefore, making them obligated in time-based mitzvahs that are very tight 
into when you have to do them or don't have to do them would be very difficult for them to do. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not hold them responsible for those mitzvahs. What? There's equality to the else, the man has to do So what does that show you? <laughs> the uh, what, does that, what does that show you? <laughs> All right. So what it says like this. So, the Chol Mitzvah is Asei Shiloazman Groman. If it's not dictated by time, then Echad Noshim Echad Noshim. Both men and women are Chayav and obligated. Now, if it's oh, that's only a Mitzvah Asei on positive commandments and obligations, but on prohibitions, Losa says Chol Mitzvah Losa says Benjazman Groman Shiloazman Groman. Whether it's dictated by time, or it's not dictated by time. Men and women Echad Noshim Echad Noshim are Chayav, except for the following three: Chutzmi Baal Takif. Baal Takiv is the rule. You know, the monks used to have those haircuts where you put a ball on your head and you, you go around, but you cut your payas off, right? Women are not, they don't have a mitzvah to have payas. We'll see exactly why not. But uh, Baal Tashkis, that's uh, cutting the corners of your beard. That also doesn't apply to a woman. And the last one is Baal Tamalamesim. If you're a Kohen, you're not allowed to go to a basic forest, you're not allowed to come to a dead body. If you're a Bas Kohen, even though you're from the Kohanic lineage, there is no prohibition of her becoming Tomei to a mace. So those are three, even though they're low sase, right? And they're not dictated by time. Nevertheless, women are exempt from them, right? Even though, any, we just said, any laws that says we're dictated by time, not dictated by time, women are equally high for the men, except for these three. So it's not, the time doesn't make a difference because it's a laws that say. Let's keep going. There's just two, right? Here, three. three. No, it, it was three. Baltaki, Baltashkis, Baltatama, the Mason. It's rounding and then destroying. One is talking about the corners of your head, one is corner the corners of your beard. Oh, I should have missed it. Right. So My call ben Allah. So the Gemara, what is this cryptic statement? Mitzvahs of the son that are on the father. Now, One way of reading would be those mitzvahs are uh, uh, the mitzvahs that are ben those mitzvahs the son has to do for the father. Now, if it means the mitzvahs the son has to do for the father, then it would come out saying only men are chayiv and not women. But we know that's not true. So, things that the son has to do for the father, you're going to tell me, Nashim Peturos, when a potter, Vahatanya, we learned in a Brisa, in Parshas Kedoshim, it says, Ish, Im over Aviv Tiro'u, that there's a, there's a in, in addition to Kibbut Ava'em, there's Yira, Yira is reverence. You, have to, you don't sit in their seat, you don't contradict them. So, it says over there, Ish, so Ish is Mashma male, right? Im over Aviv Tiro'u. Mother and father, you shall have reverence for. But then the Tiro is in the plural. So what I want to say over here is that it's on the man, but it's not just on the man, because the fact that it says Tiro in the plural, it means both men and women are equally obligated in the uh, mitzvah of Yira, of Yira of for parents. But what do you see? Things that, that's, that's something the child has to do for the parent, and both men and women are equally obligated. So ish only ela ish I only know man ish minayin. How do I know that women are chayav as well? Keshu omer ish imav aviv tirau harekan shnayim. That includes both the men and women. But you see that they are. So that can be the pshat. So therefore, Amr Rav Yehuda Achik Amr. The way to read the Mishnah is as follows: Kol mitzvahs haben hamutalus alaav means the mitzvahs on the son that the father has to do for the son. Lazarus lives not to do for his son. That anashim chayav anashim maturos. So mitzvahs that a that a parent has to do specifically for their son, 
that only applies to the fathers and does not apply to the mothers. That's what we're going to be learning. And let's see what they are. That the interpretation of the way we just explained the Mishnah is supported by the following Brysa. So what we just learned in the Mishnah is supported also by the Brysa. What does the Brysa say? The Seriously says explicitly, The father has five mitzvahs specifically that he has to do for his child. One is Lamolo, he has to circumcise him. Livdosa, if it's a firstborn boy, he has to do Pidyan Aben. The Lamb of Torah has to teach him Torah. La Asiya Isha, he has to marry, get him married to a wife. Or the Lamb Umnus, he has to teach him a trade. You have to be able to put, get, get, give him the ability to be able to uh, have Parnosa, right? The Yesh Omrim, Avlashit Bevaim. Very interesting. Yesh Omrim says you have to teach him how to swim. The father has an obligation to make sure that his son knows how to swim. Rabbi Yehuda Aymer, and Rabbi Yehuda says even more than that, he throws back, uh, he says that if a father did not teach his children uh, a parnosa, he did not give them an umas, a trade, says you've t- taught him robbery. So Mara says one second, that doesn't make sense. Not teaching him a trade means you didn't teach him a trade, but it doesn't mean you taught him to steal. It means as if you've taught him to steal. Why? Because if he doesn't have a way of supporting himself, so you're now directing him in a way to have to do something illegal because he has no legal way of support. So there's a huge, obvious debate and discussion over here, but you see that there is a requirement that parents have to give them, it doesn't say that they have to work, but it says what? That they have to have the ability that if they need to be able to work, they will have that capacity. Okay, now we're gonna go through each one of them and show where do we know, A, that the father is responsible to do it, and then B, that it's only the father's obligation and not the mother's. Okay. So the Lamola Minalan, from where do we know that a father is obligated to circumcise his, uh, his son? So when it says like this, from Yaakov, from Avram Avinu, Avram as you know as Yitzchak it says Avram circumcises son Yitzchak. So what do you see from there? The father has an obligation to circumcise. Now one of the interesting thing is that where the father didn't do it, how do you know it becomes a communal responsibility? The base didn't have to ensure that it happens. So Mechayev Beidina Lemahale. So they have their obligation to get him circumcised. We have a positive that's in Bereshis also that says that that you have to make sure that in your midst all males have been circumcised. So what do you see? In addition to the obligation that the father has, the community has an obligation. The base didn't have an obligation to ensure. That's when you had these Russians that came over and they had these mass uh, circumcisions going on. The community has a responsibility to go ahead and make sure that it gets done. Now, now let's say, okay, so they still have an obligation, child is a kid, he's up to, but let's say the child is an adult already and he was not circumcised, right? So then we, you can't say, oh, the community have to do it. He's old enough to do it himself. So how do you know that then he has the obligation to get himself circumcised. 
The way Rashi explains, it says that an uncircumcised male will get car race. You can only punish a person for not being circumcised. Okay, you didn't do it, but that's not the point. What's the point? How can you give someone a punishment that doesn't have an obligation? So for the fact that he gets cut for not having therefore, done it, therefore you see he has an obligation himself. Now, there's big machlokas between the Rambo and the Ravid. They're going to get into it. When does that cut kick in? Does it start immediately as soon as he becomes an adult and hasn't circumcised himself? Or if he goes his whole lifetime without having circumcised himself, then it's very hard to understand because then if he dies already... <laughs> then I'm going to say Chaykar, but it's also a spiritual karaz. It means cutting, getting cut off from the Jewish people the, as well. Actually, the obligation becomes the boy when he turns 13, and part of that is... When he's old enough to be punished. Otherwise, yeah. it, actually 20 would come out of its karaz, because karaz is only 20, but that's an interesting discussion too. Let's go by to Now, Eminalan asks more like this. So, so right now, we just showed that there is a... a, 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 a there's the, the father, the community, and then the son has to do it himself. What we haven't shown yet is how do we know that a woman not is not obligated to do the bris mila herself to her to, to her son. So it's like this. The Pazik says specifically that it says Avram did it like Hashem instructed him. That word him is extra. Could you like Hashem instructed? Why do I have to say like Hashem instructed him? What does that mean? Him and not her. Now, this is, uh, Taisus asks the famous Kasha that is a lot of discussion of here. Take a look at Taisus, Divra Maskal, Aisavilla Aisa. Taisus says, Aisavilla Aisa. Taisus has a question is that Lachar of Im Tomar? Does everyone see the Taisus over there? Yeah. If, and if you're going to ask, which everyone should ask, Lama Likra, why do I need a verse to tell me that women are not obligated to ha- get to circumcise their sons? Is it not a, a positive commandment that's dictated by time? Why is it dictated by time? On the eighth day. So therefore, says Tosvo, since it's a Mitzvah Seisha as man grammar, therefore what? Well, we, the, we, we said she's not obligated, but why do you need a pasuk? Why do you need a special niyut? Automatically should be excluded because the rule is woman of potter, right? Everyone hear the question? So Titus answers. Uh, so then, so this question is that Tape Glay, why don't we derive Mr. Seshavan Gramahu? Shinimobashmini that Lele Dosa because it only starts on the eighth day, which makes it time based. But Nashim Maturis, therefore, women should be potter. The Yeish Loma, so Tayyip says, he says, it's true that the lower limit is the eighth day. But past the eighth day, it's, it's open ended. So he says, therefore, and therefore, since it's open-ended, it's not really considered time-bound. That's what Tais wants to answer. He says, Kevin the Mayoma Shmini Vahalo, Aimla Hefsek, it doesn't have a, it doesn't stop. The Chiyuv continues on. So therefore, Lazman Gromo is not considered Lazman Gromo. And now, Tais has another question over here. He says, but that's not necessarily true, because there, the, the, there is an opinion that Mila doesn't, you can't do Mila at night. So therefore, each day is a set unit of time, right? Starts in the morning, ends in the evening, so therefore it should be considered as mangram. It's generated, it's only a daytime mitzvah. There are going to be other mitzvahs that women are potter from, because it's like tefillin, or so, that's only a daytime mitzvah. So the Hartzit says daytime mitzvah. So therefore, so it is considered as mangram, even past the eighth day, 
It's right. That's Tosus Kasha. Vim Tomar Akati Mizvasheshes Man Gromo. It's still considered Mizvasheshes Man Gromo. The Ein Maalin Ela Bayom because Mila only happens by day and does not happen. Uh, by night, right? So he says the Eish Loma tells us to say the East the Asya commander Amr Hasam the Milah Shalom is Mana Negus Ben Beyom Belayla. There is an opinion that says that that past the eighth day on the eighth day you have to do it by day, but past the eighth you day the night. night and therefore it's not concerned. That's a big dolcha because you're limiting Al Gemara only like that opinion. The Rishash says something very interesting over here. The Rishash says. He says because the pshat over here, why it's not a time-based mitzvah. He says because at any given moment in time, throughout the world, there's a child getting bris milah. Meaning, when is it time-bound? It's only time-bound is if it's a specific time that everybody is following that right. Uh, that, that time blowing shofar, everybody blows shofar on the first day of Rosh Hashanah, right? So that's a misvaseh shazman grama on the first day because everyone has equally the first day of Rosh Hashanah. He says, but bris milah, it's not an objective time bound mitzvah because at any given time Someone somebody's knows. having bris milah. And I'm forget about time zones. I don't get into time zones, but the point is, therefore, you can't say every there's an eighth day. And, uh, so that, that, that eighth day is not just my eighth day. Therefore, that can't, that's not considered. It's, it's a very interesting svara that the Rashash wants to throw in over here. And therefore, therefore, it's not considered to be time-bound because it can happen at any time. Yeah. Right. That's right. Anyway, that's just an interesting uh, discussion over here when this is learned that you. Let's go by it. All right. Now... Um, so Moira says like this. So, uh, uh, now, the instruction, you're basing it on what was given to Avram Avinu. How do we know that the instruction to Avram Avinu, which is before Matan Torah, applies also for all future men. May Avram is responsible for being Mali's child. How do you know that it continues that way for right. all future generations as well? So therefore, the Doris Minalan, Sesh Kamenyad, I only know that for immediate, that immediate time, but who knew that for generations? When it says, Tanavi Rabbi Shmuel, called Makam Shinemat Sav. Whenever you find the word Sav being used, like it says, Kashet Siva also, Aina El is two messages there. Zeros means it has to be done with alacrity. You have to do it as quick as possible. And also, that uh miyad has been done with alacrity, not only for that for that immediate instance that the instruction has been given, but also Lidoros. It means it has to also be done, this mitzvah is also for future generations. Now where do we see that the Russian of Tsiva implies alacrity that you have to do it as quick as possible? That he instructed Yeshua and right with the word Sav is Chaskeyu and he strengthened him and he fortified him. Means it's he's giving him the power to be able to accomplish and do it. There's a lotion of zeros, like you Mazara somebody, you're empowering them. So also means Yeshua means alacrity to get it done in the most efficient and expedient manner. That's all right, Miyad uh, al but how do you know it also means? That it's not only for that time period. How do you know it's also for a few generations? We find in Bamidbar, it says, 
Zvei the Pazik says, Hashem commanded uh, from now and for all future generations. You see the word Siva associated with not only for the moment that it's been given, but it also means the instruction is for all future generations. So therefore that answers our question that even though we're learning it from Avram Avinu, but it uses the Lashon of Tziva, that implies what? All generations. It's all generations as well. Okay, let's go back to it. the next of the uh, list was that a man has to uh, uh, redeem his son, give the five shkolim to the Kohen to do pidyan aben for his son. So we know, and how do we know that this is a mitzvah on the father? the kol b'chorbanecha tifteh. Says the Pharisees, you all firstborn of your... Uh, 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 all your firstborn of your, your children, you have, your sons, you should redeem. Now, where the father doesn't get it done, how do we know the child has to be poda himself to throw out something to think about? Why over here didn't put in the base in? By Mila, we went from... Basin, father, basin. Right. So why don't we do the same thing over here? Okay. Could be because it's a financial piece over here. Financially, you don't have a right to put that on the community. You should take care of it. So different ways to deal with that question. So therefore, that he has to do it himself. The Pesach says, There's a Pesach, this is a Pesach in, uh, in Bamidbar. It says, You shall surely redeem. That surely redeem implies is that even if it wasn't done to you by your father, you have an obligation to make sure that it gets done. The double lotion, Padre Okay? All right. Now, the Ihim and Now, the mother wants to know, okay, fine. I see that the father doesn't have to do the father has to do it for the son. How do you know that the woman is not obligated to do it for her son? Right? Where do we know, right? Someone says, the mother says like this. Tifde, the Pesach says Tifde, but it could also be re- read as Tipode. Tifde, it means you need to do it. Tipode means that you have to make sure that it gets done to you, mm-hmm. right? So therefore, the way we learn as follows. Kosha mitzvah lifdosis atzmo. Where there's an obligation to make sure it gets done to you, then you also have the obligation to do it to somewhere else. But if you don't have the obligation to make sure it gets done to you, then you don't have the obligation to do it to someone else. And since a woman is not, there's no requirement on the woman to have Pidyon Aben done to her, she also is not obligated to do Pidyon Aben to her son. So, so what, I'm sorry, but what would happen then if you had a, a woman who gets pregnant, God forbid the, the father died before birth, it's a boy, He's yeah. obligated for a pity event. Right. She doesn't have to do it. She's not obligated to go She's ahead not and do it. Right. To do it. So, so do you have to wait until he's old enough to do it himself? The fact that someone's the, the, fact, the fact that someone's not obligated doesn't mean it can't, it can't facilitate that it gets done. Right. You get what's that? Sunduck doesn't get any obligations in this. What does that do with Sunduck? Pigeon event. No, there it's a there it says the base didn't have to do it. He didn't say it. Yeah, yeah. Also, no, why not? It's not it's not yeah. right. Again, good question, good question. But uh, you're right. So why says like this? So therefore, kol she mitzvah livdoses atzmo, mitzvah livdoses acherim. Wherever there's a mitzvah to be to do it to yourself, you have mitzvah to do it to others. But kol she mitzvah livdoses atzmo, ain't a mitzvah. There is no obligation livdoses acherim. Now, 
How do we know? How do we know that a woman's not obligated to do pidyon ben? Maybe if she was a firstborn, maybe she has to do pidyon ben to herself. Now, even though we said only a father is obligated, yeah, but that means the father is not obligated to do his daughter. It doesn't mean the daughter does not have an obligation to do it to herself. Then we're asking, how do you know she doesn't have an obligation to do it to herself, right? So when it says, again, that same draw should we learn, right? If you read it to Bada Tifta, this way, because the Yud's in the second word. But anyway, what it means is like this, is that the same, the way it's read and the way it's written can be compared to one another. Where others have an obligation to do it to you, then what? You have an obligation to do it to yourself. So when your father had an obligation to do it for you, then you have an obligation to do it yourself if he didn't do it. But if there is no obligation for your father to do it to you, then you also don't have an obligation to do it yourself. And now Shiloh was, maybe the father doesn't have an obligation to do it to her, but she has to do it herself. We're learning from the word tifta tipada that you read both ways, is that when do you have an obligation to do it to someone else? If you have to make sure that it gets done to you, but if you don't have an obligation to do it to yourself, I'm sorry, the other way around. When does somebody else have an obligation to go ahead and do it? You have to do it to your child. When you have an obligation to do it to yourself. But if you don't have an obligation to do it to yourself, you don't have an obligation to your child. You don't have an obligation to do it to your child. That, that was, that, but that was the first one. Then the Gemara says, well, how do you know she doesn't have an obligation to do it to herself? Yeah. So it says, because you only have an obligation to do it to yourself if you have an obligation to do it to, to someone else. But you don't have an obligation to do it to someone else, then you don't have an obligation for yourself either. Now, but if others do not have an obligation to, uh, others don't have an obligation to do it for you, and you don't have to do it for yourself. Now, Kamara says like this, okay, but this is, this is the crux. How do we know, how do we know that others don't have an obligation to do it for the girl? How do we know that? So how do we know that? It says that the father's obligation to do it to Bechor Banecha. Banecha is your son. Okay. Tanra Bonan. Who lived those? Who've no lived those? So we're going to clarify this case a little later, but a very interesting situation. Listen carefully here. We're talking about a situation where his father was not told to him. Right? His father was not podium. I don't know if you guys remembered. We did a pidyon aben. So Baal Tshuva, the guy, we, we, we're learning Dafyomi, and it ended up, we're talking about pidyon aben, and it comes out, you know, I'm the firstborn. I never had pidyon aben. We did it when we did the siyum on Bechoros. We did this, a uh, guy was in, in his 30s. We did pidyon aben. But the point is, the father forgot to do, uh, didn't, didn't know, or didn't do pidyon aben for his son. And then he has his own son. So now, he, there's two obligations here. There's the pidyon aben that he should do for himself. And there's a big in a ben that he should do for his son. What takes precedence? That's the Shiloh. Now, are we talking about when he has money to both, and it's just a question of sequence, or are we talking about when he only has enough money to do one? That we will clarify in the next few lines of the Gemara. But let's see. So it says, who lived those with no lived those? Who caught him live no? The Chachamim say that he comes before his son. You know, it's like I always think about when the, when the, 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 the masks come down in the... Uh, from, in, in the airplane, before you put it on your child, you have to put it on your son. So he comes before his son, he has to take care of himself before he takes care of his child. Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Rabbi Noy says Rabbi Yehuda, no, I disagree. He says, your son comes first. Now, listen to the interesting Svara. Why does your son come first? Because your son was an obligation that the Torah placed on you. 
you were an obligation that your father that was placed on your father. It means you're playing cleanup for the fact your father didn't do it. But your direct obligation is on your son. So therefore you have to do your son first. So therefore, Shazam mitzvah so aviv that he was a mitzvah his father had on him. But that mitzvah no Allah, but the, the mitzvah on his son is the mitzvah that's on him directly to do for his son. Therefore he should do his son first. Now, this seems to be very simple machlokas. Which one go which one do you do? According to Tanakama, you do yourself. the you, you do yourself first, and according to Yehuda, you do the son first. Comes along, Amrabiyermiya. That's not the right way to understand it. Hakol modim. Everybody would agree. Kol sloyim. Where you only have five sloyim, which means at this moment in time, only one person is getting it done. So the question: Who do you choose? Son or father? Everybody would agree in that case. Who kodem levno? He comes before his son. Why does he come before his son? My time, a mitzvah de guf adifa. Because at the end of the day, a mitzvah that's incumbent on him, himself, his body, that comes before. To make sure that you are not walking around unredeemed, that comes before any obligation that you have for your child. So therefore, if there's only five shkal in, left, in this guy's pocket, no question, that would not be a machlokas. All right? So therefore, now keep like, so where's the machlokas? Now let me set up the scenario. This is a fascinating situation over here. Let's go, the case is as follows. Father was supposed to be poda, okay, let's say Ruvain, uh, Shimon, Ruvain is the father, Shimon is the son, and Ruvain was supposed to be poda Shimon. Did not do it. Shimon is walking around now with an obligation to give five shkalim for himself because his father didn't do it, to give five shkalim to the Kohen. So technically, the Kohanim have a lien on him. They, he owes them five shkalim. And he has a piece of property that's worth five shkalim. So technically, you could argue that his obligation, the lien of his obligation is on the property. Now, instead of using that five shkalim of property to redeem himself, what he did was he sold it. He sold it to Levy. Levy's a third party, okay? And then... The coin came from a ticket from... No, 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 don't get the coin, I don't get the coin yet. And then he has a son. And then he has a son... Shimon Shimon has a son, which he's obligated, and Shimon also now has five shkolem in his pockets. So he has five shkolem in his pockets, he has a property that was worth five shkalim that was sold to Levi. Now, let's speak it out, okay? Because the order here is gonna make a big difference. If, if, who, the, the, the Kohen, the Kohen has, an, uh, 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 has a lien on that property only for one of these two events. Think about it. Which of the two events technically does the Kohen have a right to say, you owe us the five shkalim, and the buyer then, we can go to the buyer and collect it from the buyer for our obligation. Which one of the two events? That could only be on the obligation that Ruvain did not cover Shimon. That Ruvain covered Shimon. Because that property was around when that long obligation was there. But then when Shimon sold it to Levi and only then had the baby, 
the new obligation that he has for his son cannot go on that piece of property because that piece of property was sold before the kid was born, born, right? Which means, think about this for a moment, which means that if the five shkalim that he has in his pocket would be used for his father's obligation, then you would not be able to use the land to go and be poda his son, because the Kohen does not have a right to go to that third party on the son, because that only, that sale pre, that preempted. But if, but if the, uh, if the, the, if the uh, father was able to use that money for the son first, and, and now he's got no money, and he has that himself, then you'd be able to go to the, and take the land from Levi on the third party. But now, what does it depend on? What it depends on as follows. That land, assuming it was sold without documentation, without insurance, all right? We already had a machlokas. If something is in the Torah, it's written in the Torah, is that considered like a documented sale? Now, if you hold that something is written in the Torah is like a documented sale, that allows the Kohen to go ahead and collect. But if you don't hold it's like a docu- documented sale, then you cannot go to that third party. And what says, here is where therein lies the rub. What happens over here is as follows. If we consider this document, this is a documented sale, and, you, and, and then, then now you have, so basically there's, there's a possibility to cover both obligations. What is required to cover both obligations is that the money first, because you cannot use money, you cannot use the money to go ahead. If you use that money, you can't just collect the land if you have money in your pocket. So you first have to use that money to redeem your son. Now what's the svara that your son should come first? The svara that your son should come first, there you have a svara, is that since I can do both, I can, there's a way to do both, I can use this for to go with the son first, because that was an obligation that I have on my son, and my obligation was the one my father had on me. That's where you say that for kicks in, because I can do both, which one do I first? It allows me to do it first. That's what comes out. Therefore, according to this opinion, we'll see if it fits out with, with, with um, that's gonna be, I believe, Rabbi Yehuda, all right, Rabbi Yehuda Shita. Therefore, go ahead and do your son first, and then the land, the Kohen can take the land for you. The Chachamim disagree. The Chachamim say that once that land was sold, it's not a documented sale, that's off limits. So now I only have five shkolim. When I only have five shkolim, there, there's no question, who do I have to use it for? I have to use myself, because mitzvah that's on me, that affects me, comes before a mitzvah that affects my son. So it comes out interesting svarah. When you can end up doing both, which one goes first? You could say do the son before the father. But when you can only do one, then the father has to come before the son. That's the, uh, that's the argument over here. So let's read this inside. This is the way Rashi explains this. Let's see this inside. So Mara says as follows. Uh, keep reading. Where are they arguing? You have five that are encumbered, meaning it was a piece of property that was five worth five shkalim that was sold to Levi, was sold to a third party. The Chamesh Bnei as well as having five shekel in his pocket, which are called the un- unencumbered. That's the five shkalim that he has. Rabbi Yehudah is of the opinion that the Torah obligates you to do it. It says if it's documented, and therefore there is a lien 
on the property of Levi that the Kohanim can go after in order to fulfill the obligation. But only the obligation for the, the grandfather, right? For, for Ruve. They can't go over to do it for the grandson, for, 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 for Shimon's son, right? So they have a Bahani Chamesh, therefore with the unencumbered Shkolim, you have to get rid of those first. So what can you do with that? So that break that he could use for his son, because in order, if you're going to do both, you can say, well, do your son first, because that's your direct mitzvah, whereas on you, it was your father's mitzvah. You can use that to use the five shkolen. They, they, you can, the, the, the landowner can't say, the one who bought the land, well, why don't you do your father, because if you do your father's obligation first, then it's covered. No, because you have a right to say, this is my obligation, I'm going to give that for my son. So Chamesh Barak Lebrei, for Azul Cohen, and the Cohen can go, but Tarif and collect, he can seize the Chamesh Meshabadim Day to cover Shimon for the obligation that wasn't covered by the father, then the Cohen can take the land, because that land is, there is a lien on that land for that obligation that his father had on him that now he has on himself. Okay. The fact that it's written in the Torah doesn't make it a documented sale. And since this is an undocumented sale, there's, it's not encumbered property. There's no lien transferred over. There's no lien transferred over. You're only discussing who should he use the five shkalim in his pocket for. And in such a case, we say there's no argument. What happens in that case? So therefore, the Elkach mitzvah, the goofy out of the mitzvah on himself comes first. Technical, gentlemen, you have to go review it. Tan Rabban will enter the Brisa. Live those as Bno Vilalos Larego. He has enough money to either do Pidyan Aben or buy himself an Elal ticket to go up and do Alil Larego. All right? That money, which should it be used for? Pidyan of his son, but then he can't do Alil Larego, or Pidyan Alil Larego, and then he won't have money right now at this moment to do Pidyan Aben. Which should he use the money for? Sapodes Benova Achach Ola Larego, he should do Pidyan Aben, right? And now afterwards, if he's able to figure out a way, he do Ali Larego. Rabbi Yehuda Omer Ola Larego, Achapodes Benova. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, you do Ali Larego, and then later on you'll figure out a way to do Pidyan Aben. Why? Because Ali Larego, you have a small window of time. If you don't do the Ali Larego, right, you miss, Pesach comes and goes, you're never going to be able to make up that Aliyah Laregel. Whereas Pedyan Ben, it's open-ended. The same mitzvah will be for the next 50 years if you have to wait 50 years. means, therefore, you always do the one that's going to get wiped out if you don't do it right away. So Tanakama, for some reason, holds no. He says, do the Pedyan Ben, and then if you can afford the Aliyah Laregel, yes, yes, no, no. It doesn't give us a reason why you do that. But a corner of Yudah, Yudah gives a very good reason. What's the Yudah's reason? That's correct. Sumara says that the Shumis of Alveris, one is a mitzvah that will pass by, the Zoom mitzvah and Alveris, whereas Pidin Aben is not a mitzvah will pass by. Sumara says, Bishlam, Lord Yehuda, Kitakamar Tami, he gives his reasoning. El Rabbot, my Tami, what's the reasoning of the Chachamim? What's the reason that they say that you do Pidin Aben, that you do Pidin Aben, even though it wipes out the Alil Rego? He says, logically, in Svara, Yehuda's right. Do the one that's going to be passed by. But there's Xeris Akos, if you look in the Torah, it says Pidyan Aben. And what's the immediate mitzvah written right after Pidyan Aben? Don't come up and do a Lila Regal empty handed. So, therefore, the Torah tells you, even though you're right, normally you would say a Lila Regal and Pidyan Aben, but the sequence is if you haven't done Pidyan Aben, don't come up and do a Lila Regal because it's written first. Is that also, is that also a 
That's what it's saying. You have to do pidyon ben. You can't do it. Where's the Tanra Banu Lantan of Raisa? Minayin shim hayulu chamesh bonim chamesh noshim. Guy had five wives, and each wife had a firstborn. How do you know that you have to do pidyon ben five times? All right. What does kol bechor That implies you can have more than one. All of your firstborns, so therefore each wife is a separate firstborn. You have to do a pidyon ben. When it says pshita, the peterechem talerachmana, since the Torah calls it the opening of the womb, that itself shows you can have more than one. Right? Because it calls it the opening of the womb. Opening of the womb implies each woman that that's her firstborn, you have to do, if you're the father, you have to do the Bidyan Aben. So why do you need the drasha of kol bechor banechativta? Because you might have thought you learn out from the Bechor where the Bechor gets Pishnaim, double. Now in the, par- in the parsha of inheritance where the, the firstborn gets two, there is only one. Who is it? Your firstborn, the firstborn of your strength, the firstborn of your vigor. It says, Mala Halan Reish's owner, the first of your strength. So you might think that Reish Bechor Bechor, therefore it also should only be one. Therefore we have to have, uh, so therefore I've come Reish's owner, Kamash Malan, Kol Bechor, to teach me you can have multiples. Without that, you might have thought to make the Gzeri Shava. Lulam the Torah, we have a father's an obligation to teach his child Torah. Minalan Dechsev, Limaratem Osamas Benechem. Pazit says Beferish, you have to obligate him to teach your children Torah. Now, if the father doesn't teach you Torah, how can you, well, I, I, I wasn't sent to day school, therefore I don't learn. No, no, you have an obligation to make sure that you teach yourself. How do you know that or get yourself taught? There's a different Pasuk, Raj, he says, the Pasuk says, you have to study and you have to fulfill the mitzvahs. Means that even if someone didn't teach you, you have an obligation to study in order to be able to know what to do. Right? So Maratim is now and how do you know that the mother's not obligated to teach her children Torah? Because again, same type of drasha. The limaratem could also be read as ulamaratem. Limaratem is teach, ulamaratem is study. So call Shemitsuva Lil Mode. Anyone that has obligation to study, right? Mitsulamit has obligation to teach. But she, since she doesn't have an obligation to study Torah, she also does not have the obligation to teach her children. And if you're not obligated to study, you don't have an obligation to teach. How do you know she's not obligated to study? How do you know she's not obligated to study? The male of not to teach herself, right? To study herself. Again, same type of drasha. When are you obligated to study? If others are obligated to teach you. But since others are not obligated to teach her, she's not obligated to study herself. And therefore, since she's not obligated to study herself, she doesn't have an obligation to teach her kid. So therefore, if others are obligated to teach you, then you're obligated to study. But as uh, atmo, but is you have to teach yourself. But if others aren't obligated to teach you, you don't have to teach yourself. You don't have to study yourself. But how do you know that others are not obligated to teach her? It says you have to teach your sons. Enough to pay one tuition, okay? Tuition either for the son or tuition for the father. Who does that tuition go for, all right? Father never went to school, never has enough money, can go back to school, but I need that money to teach my kid. Who, got, who does that money get spent on? Who Says the Chachamim, you come first. 
You come before your son. Rabbi Yehuda Aymer depends. If the child has alacrity, has acuity, is very sharp, the Talmudim is coming out and is able to retain his learning. So you've got a child that's really bright, that's able to learn well, so therefore, then you put that, you invest in your child. Kihad Rav Yaakov, Reidu Rav Yaakov, or Yaakov, like we find that Rav Yaakov was the son of Rav Achav Yaakov, Shadri Avula Kameda Abaya. He sent to Yeshiva to Abaya, he sent his son, he himself. He said, uh, I, I'll support the family and my child can go study in the yeshiva. He also, when the child came back, this Rabbi Yaakov came back, he saw his kid wasn't getting it. Right? His kid wasn't studying well, and therefore, he says, listen, I think I can learn better than you. You now have to go work and support the family, and I, the father, and I'm going to go back to learn in yeshiva. So therefore, Tuv At, you stay here. The Eizu uh, I'm going to go. So now, this Rab Achabar Yaakov, who was the father, was known to be a big tzaddik. So Abaya heard Rab Achabar Yaakov is coming to town. So he said like this, Shamad Abaya have Ka'asi, have Ahu Mazik, there was this demon, Bey Rabban, who was in the yeshiva of Abaya. The Chava Island betrayed, Afil Biyama was such a strong demon that even two people going up during the day, Habmitzka would get damaged by this demon. So Amar Lohu, Lo Leisiv Inisha Ushbiza, nobody should give lodging to Achabar Yaakov to, uh, to, to, when he comes to, to the yeshiva, they'll force him to have to sleep where? In the yeshiva, and then they, he'll wipe out the demon. That was his plan. So the Evshah, the Misrachah, Nisa, maybe a miracle will happen. So Al Basa, this Rabbi Yaakov, went up to the yeshiva, Basa, he slept there overnight. In that yeshiva where the demon was. The demon appeared to him like a, like a serpent with seven heads. Was a Medusa? So call Kare the Kara every bow that this that Rabbi Yaakov bowed, not a Chadresha. One of the heads were chopped off. So Amar Lohu, so he figured out what's going on over here. He figured out, they, so he said, he told him the Mark the next day, he says, you guys shouldn't have done that to me because you put me in a situation that I could have been damaged. You had not, a, you had, didn't have a right to make a husband that, that you want me to take care of the demon. Okay, so Tanra Bonan. Lisa Isha, you have a Shiloh. Should you first study Torah, go to Yeshiva, and then get married? Or should you first get married and then study in Yeshiva? Right? So the first opinion is uh, first you should, uh, we'll see, uh, but Yeshiva, first get married, then that takes care of your Yetzirah. They, uh, uh, I'm sorry, so the first opinion is Yilmah Torah, first study, but if Yetzirah is too strong, below Isha, without a woman, he can't live without a woman, Yisha, you should first get married, so the, 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 the best thing to do is first study and then get married, but if you feel that your Yetzirah is going to overtake you, so then you should get married first and then you should learn. So I'm Rabbi Yehuda, I'm Shmuel. Halacha, what's the halacha? He says, I hold marriage first is the best way to go, and then study Torah. Yochanan Ami disagrees. He says, you're going to put a grindstone around his neck. I mean, the all of Parnassah, you're putting around his neck. When you get married, now you have to support a family and children. He says, how are you going to study? He says, the answer with Torah. So therefore, it's first better to study and then get married. Whereas it's below polygamy, they really don't argue. It's the locale that they came from. Shmuel came from Bavel. Halan, one is for us in Bavel, which is Shmuel. Halahu, one is for them in Eretz Yisrael. Which means like this, that Raja explains that Shmuel was in Bavel. In Bavel, the minute used to be, when you got married, then right away you went on your own to study in Eretz Yisrael and the family took care 
of supporting the supporting the children. So therefore, you don't have to worry about the Rechaim al-Tzavaro. So therefore, it's better to have, knowing that you have a wife at home, takes care of the Yetzirah, it's Paspasalo, periodically you can go back and have relations with her, takes care of the Yetzirah, and you can study. So that's the best case. You've got the Yetzirah covered for, and you don't have to worry about Parnosa, because the, the, the custom in, in Bava was that the family supported. In Eretz Yisrael, they didn't have that. So therefore, in Eretz Yisrael, where Rabbi Yochanan was from, if you get married first, then it's Rechaim Savaro, And therefore, what you should first do is study, and then you get married. But it's not really, it just depends on the locale. They're not really arguing. Okay, John, we'll stop over here. Glad to be back, because this is where in high school you skipped.